Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. For me to die is gain. Why is it gain? Because I've run my race and I've finished my course and I've kept my faith. The greatest fear that you ought to have is losing your faith in God. But if you can keep your faith in God, you don't have to fear anything that this world can do to you because you do not have to fear evil as long as God is with you. Started this lesson a couple of weeks ago. My wife and I took a, a little trip out of state. The first morning I got up and was just uh, looking out at the Gulf of Mexico. First time we had ever been there. First time I had ever been there. I don't know if you had been. You'd been one other time in your life, I think, but I'd never been there. And just there's something about looking out at that expanse of water that just enthralls me and inspires me and makes me feel in awe of the God that we serve. Something about that. I went in. I, I brought my study material and I just began to. Uh, write some thoughts down, and and this lesson began there a couple of weeks ago, and now at, uh, this morning I, I woke up and I kind of got rolling with the rest of it. What you're getting is a very fresh word this morning. Title of the message this morning. I usually wait till after I read the text, but uh, the title is the folly of fearlessness. The folly of fearlessness. Folly of having no fear. You know, there's a lot of things out out there that create fear. Uh, I can remember as a child, uh, I had things that I was fearful of. As an adult, there are things that you're fearful of. I read a little joke this morning about Chuck Norris. Anybody like the Chuck Norris jokes? (laughs) You ever see that dog, that little small dog that's chasing a rhinoceros? (laughs) It said, this is Chuck Norris's dog, you know. Uh, about how tough he is. Well, I, I read one I, I, about uh, Chuck Norris, and um, it simply said Chuck Norris sleeps with a nightlight, and not because he's scared of the dark, but because the dark is scared of Chuck Norris. <laughs> uh, Chuck Norris has become the icon for a fearlessness, uh, and uh, I want to take you to the book of Job, chapter 28. Because fearlessness is something that's promoted in a, in a major way. At the time of our reading here today, Job is thought, thought to be about 70 years old uh, when this account is told of his life. And what an incredible story of faith and tenacity that uh, we have in the account of Job's history of his life. I think that Job has some insight for all of us today that are trying to make it in this world with the struggles and the challenges that all of us face. Um, But Job asked the question that we should all be asking. He asked this question, and it's found in Job chapter 28, verse 12, and then we'll continue reading. But where shall wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? I think that's a valid question that all of us, every human being, ought to ask that question. Where can we find wisdom? 
Where can wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? Where do I get gain knowledge? And I'm not talking about just worldly knowledge. The, the, the knowledge of the world, it, it's a powerful thing. But I'm talking about godly wisdom this morning. Godly knowledge and understanding. He goes on and says, Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. So the word of the Lord is kind of telling us don't look for it in certain places. My father-in-law used to every year when the, the, all of us kids came over, he used to hide money. And then, you know, some part of his sadistic nature loved watching us hunt for that money. I mean, he, it was painful, you know. And, uh, but after a while, if we couldn't find the money, by the way, I think I am the reigning all-time champion of finding the most money, and that probably doesn't surprise any of you. I start sniffing for it. I can find it. And uh, he would hide it, and then after a while, if we couldn't find it, you know, an hour and a half would run by, and we'd tore the, tore the entire living room apart. Uh, he'd start saying, uh, we'd say, beg for clues. What was it? Waist high or below? You know, is it half the room up or half the... And, he'd t- and now, if we still couldn't find it, he'd say, okay, it's on, it's on this half of the room. So we knew it was on this half, the lower half somewhere. And then he'd start giving us these little clues, you know, hey, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, that kind of thing. And, you know, now you're cold, but he wouldn't tell us which one of us was warm. So we all got real suspicious of the other one, you know, and if we thought we saw a good hiding, a hiding spot, uh, and uh, we'd, we'd run over to it. You know, I'm just telling you right now, the Bible's letting us to know that if we're seeking for spiritual wisdom from worldly things, we're never going to find it. This is the Bible's way of saying you're cold. Don't look here. If, it, if what you're searching for is a spiritual wisdom, you might as well not even look for it in this place. Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith, it's not in me. And the sea says, it's not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. You can't buy this, this uh, wisdom and this understanding with money. You can't write a large enough check. You can't hand over a large enough sack of gold for this. It, it's telling us it cannot be bought with money. It cannot be bought with silver. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx or the sapphire the gold and the crystal cannot equal it and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold no mention shall be made of coral or of pearls for the price of wisdom is above rubies the topaz of ethiopia shall not equal it neither shall it be valued with pure gold Whence then cometh wisdom? He asks the question again. So where can we get this wisdom? Where does it come from? If we can't buy it with gold, if we can't find it on this earth, then tell me where does this wisdom come from? And where is the place of understanding, seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living and kept close from the fowls of the air? Destruction and death say, we have heard the fame thereof with our ears. God understandeth the way thereof, and he knoweth the place thereof. So now we're getting that clue. You're getting warmer. You're getting warmer here. God knows the place thereof. God knows where it comes from. For he looks to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven to make the weight for the winds, and he weigheth the waters by measure." 
When he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then did he see it and declare it and prepare it, yea, and searched it out. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. And there we have our answer. There we have our answer in the final verse. And unto man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to part from evil is understanding. I can remember not too long ago when there was a certain product that came out called No Fear. I typed in on Google No Fear and that was the first thing that popped up. It's the angry-looking eyes. Does anybody remember this? We're in the adult class. The angry-looking eyes. It was about 1970-something, early, early 70-something, I think, when, when it first began to be established. I don't know how long it took to actually take hold, but, but that campaign came out, and it was uh, you saw it on stickers in the back of windows. You saw it on T-shirts and all kinds of clothing wear. It was a design brand, and, and it was something that was promoted that, hey, I fear nothing. I don't fear anything. And so uh, it began to breed a mindset, I think, in especially our younger generation, you know, that fear was a weakness, that, that we shouldn't fear anybody or anything, or we ought to just take the bull by the horns and do whatever we chose and whatever we please and, and laugh in the face of danger. And our misconception began to develop, I believe, there uh, of fearless, fearlessness being equivalent to bravery. And nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, I want us to understand where Job was speaking from. In chapter number, uh, number 28, Job is talking from a total place of loss. He's talking from a total place of devastation. He's, he's speaking to us from a place where he's lost his home, he's lost his cattle, he's lost his family, his children. His wife has, has basically turned her back on him and said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? He's lost his health. He's lost his friends. He's lost the respect of his peers. All of these things have taken place, and Job now sits in a heap of ashes in massive pain, with nothing left. He's a shadow of the man that he felt like he once used to be and, and a shadow of the person that everybody believed him to be. But now he's been devastated and he's lost everything. Job had wisdom and Job had understanding. But having wisdom and understanding did not keep Job from troubles and, de and devastation. Simply being wise does not mean that we are going to walk through this earth without ever having any problems. Now, godly wisdom may keep us from having as many problems as what we have, but occasionally God himself will allow the problems to come into our life because God is trying to prove to an adversary or an enemy that not everybody is going to crumble when things fall apart. Not everybody's going to run and tuck their tail and hide just when things get a little bit difficult. 
Not everybody's going to let the fear of evil things or of loss or of devastation cause them to turn their back on God, curse him, and die. Job was our iconic figure for the man who looked at things that came against him square in the eye and said, Though God slay me, yet will I trust him. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't understand why that everything has happened to me that's happened to me. But I do know this one thing. Thing, that I don't have to understand God to trust God. I believe that Job wanted us to understand the true value of wisdom and the source thereof. You see, fear is a healthy thing when it is properly placed. It's a healthy thing. I'm going to try to explain that to you just a little bit. If you don't fear being in a house that is on fire, something's wrong with you. <laughs> if you're in a hurricane and you're standing out there, you've seen these guys. Well, we had the, the one guy that was faking not too long ago, acting like he's being blown away. And, and all of a sudden they saw a couple of people just casually walking by in the background. <laughs> you guys remember that? He was trying to pretend that he was fearless. But if you're out there in the middle of a hurricane just to see and experience it, that's foolish. That's folly. Uh, just simply being fearless of everything is one of the most foolish things that a person can do. If you're in a raging flood because of the lack of fear, that's not a sign of bravery as much as it is a sign of ignorance of the power thereof, of the devastating thing. Uh, we were in Florida a couple years ago, and, and uh, Brother Jones and myself, we like to get, uh, they call them boogie boards, and uh, or we get little inner tubes or whatever, these little things that float, and, and we get out in the ocean a little bit, and we like to kind of just ride the waves. Well, do you remember this night that I'm getting ready to talk about where the, the wind was really picking up and there was a storm coming? We looked at, out into the ocean, and man, the waves were just coming in. And they weren't just four or five foot waves and swells. They were, they were like crashing waves. And, and our first initial reaction was like, let's go grab our, our flotation devices. Let's run out there. Man, these are gonna, this is going to be awesome. And it was just kind of starting to get dark and stuff like that. And, and so we, we grabbed our stuff and, and ran down to the ocean and, and got down there. And both of us stepped about three foot out into the water and we stopped. <laughs> that water was coming up around us and, and it was hitting us so hard. And then that didn't scare me nearly as much as the suction as it tried to pull us back out into the ocean. And we stood there trying to decide which one of us would blink first for probably 15 minutes. No, <laughs> Our first sign should have been we were the only ones out there. These two idiots from southern Illinois, you know, a hundred, you know, a thousand miles away from any ocean, they, they ain't got a clue that, that they're, they're out there where they shouldn't be. And finally somebody did walk down. I don't know if you remember, the, there was a couple that walked down and they said, you, you guys aren't really thinking about going out there, are you? Because we, we, we had our flotation devices like, we, we, we just might do this, you know? <laughs> But our good sense finally got a hold of us, and one of us finally broke the ice and said, you know what, I think we'd be smart if we just turned around and went back the other way. That wasn't us not being brave, that was us being smart. 
Very smart. I mean, you might have been without a pastor or an assistant pastor had we gone on out in that ocean because it was it was slamming the 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 the, the seashore there and grabbing at our at our extremities and trying to suck us back out and we just decided you know what uh, let's come back out here when we can handle what's going on there are times when fear letting fear guide you is the greatest sign of intelligence that you can have okay now, the fear of the Lord is not a fear of being beaten over the head for a mistake that you make. It, it, when we're talking about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, or the fear of the Lord is, is where you find wisdom, we're not talking about, oh, uh, you know, God's going to strike me dead if, if I make one wrong move and we walk around, you know, just scared of him uh, all the time. Uh, that's not what the fear of the Lord that, that uh, Job is talking about, or the psalmist, or, or any of the, of the other writers of the Bible. But when it talks about fearing the Lord, it's, it's talking about having a great awe and a great respect and a great reverence for God. Amen. Job was a man who understood what it meant to have everything. And, and the very first chapter tells us that Job was a man who had substance in so much that he was considered the greatest man in the East. He had more money, but he had something more than money. He had a reputation. He had a good reputation. The writer of the book of Job, which is unknown, some think that Moses wrote it, but no, no one is sure, so it remains unknown. But he started the book of Job with a declaration of the type of man that Job was. Job chapter 1 verse 1 says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. This wise man, this godly man by the name of Job, uh, he, he, had, he, he would become the poster child for all who suffer. For all of us that are going through hardships and hard times and losses, you know, uh, the first name that will come up in, in even uh, worldly people is, uh, man, you're living the life of Job, or this must be what Job felt like, because Job became the poster child for people that suffer and people that, that, that go through hardships. The very first description that we have of his characteristics is that he was blameless and he was upright. And the third thing that is spoken about him is that he feared, but it, it, he didn't fear just anything. I mean, you can't get to his place in business and be timid and shy and fearful of everything. You can't become the greatest man in the East and have more than, than basically anybody else has in, in the entire area and, and be a scaredy cat and not be a man's man. It wasn't that Job uh, was, was fearless, because, but it was what Job feared that made the difference. The Bible says that he feared God. And because he feared God, it caused him to do something else. There was a byproduct of fearing God, of reverencing God. And that was, he eschewed evil. He ran from evil. He stayed away from evil things. It's a foolish person that has no fear of something that is inescapable. 
The YouTube video craze has created a segment of people that thrive off pushing the limits. Uh, I asked Sister Graham to put me together a uh, slide like the one you're seeing here. This, this guy is doing what they call parkour. Does everybody know what parkour is? I'm going to explain it to those that, that may not. But this is these guys that run uh, across building tops and they jump from building to building and out through windows and, you know, they roll and flip and they may balance on things. And, and, it, and all of this they do with uh, somebody videoing them or wearing one of these video things on their person someplace and capturing the video of them doing all this uh, what they consider probably daring stunts. And, and it is relatively entertaining to watch this, and there's quite a craze and a following, especially when you uh, see somebody do something where they're, they're risking their life. But, but the problem with this is, is these people develop a, a fearlessness for things that are very, very dangerous, very, very extreme. And some of these guys are professionals, but, but then you get some 16-year-old kid out there that, that feels like he can do that uh, too, and, and he doesn't make the jump. And some of these people don't make the jump. As a matter of fact, I have a couple of, of examples, uh, like Pavel Kishnev. He was a Russian parkour enthusiast. He's 200 feet above the air on a three-foot ledge that runs along the side of the building, and he's doing backflips on this three-foot ledge. And that was all fine and dandy until you see the picture of him that was the last picture that was snapped of him right before he did a backflip trying to capture it on a video or get a picture of it showing how daring he was and how fearless he was when all of a sudden you see him fall over the edge and fall to his death. And that was the end for Pavel. 20-year-old David Harrison down in Florida walking on a power pole. Two of his buddies with him. All of a sudden he falls and he touches a live wire. Burns him over 80% of his body. He dies. You know what his sister said? This is how we try to reason things. Well, at least he died doing what he loved to do. Being, being foolish. Tempting fate. Tempting death. You know, that... In my opinion, there's a, a lot of things that, that are worth being kind of risky for. There's, there's, some th there's a lot of men and women that are willing to step out on a battlefield to try to save a country or save a people that can't, can't protect themselves. There's a lot of, a lot of men uh, on the police force and the firemen that will, that will go inside of a burning building and try to capture somebody uh, and bring them back out to a place of safety and they'll risk their own lives. They're, they're, those are things that are noble. Those are things that are honorable. Those are risks that, that men sign up for in order to risk their own life to protect somebody else that, uh, from, from certain death. Those things are things that, that I I, I look at it and I say, you know what, um, those, are, those are people that I, I have a, a, a respect for them. But they don't go into that burning building and risk their life if no one is in there. If there's no child in there, they'll try to put the fire out, but they'll only run into a burning building if there is a necessary reason, not just to capture themselves on a video. 
I know some of this is a little unsettling, but I want us to understand that there are things that just aren't worth the risk. And with a little bit of wisdom, we can steer ourselves clear of making mistakes that can cost us so drastically. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear, but that fear also includes a respect of staying clear of dangers that are avoidable. Godly counsel, following godly biblical counsel will steer you clear of a lot of heartbreaks. Following good godly counsel will save you a lot of troubles in this life. It won't save you from every trouble, but it'll save you from a lot of trouble. Many of our heartbreaks could be avoided if we simply feared the right things. Not being fearless. You want to know what I fear? Something you don't hear talked about a whole lot these days. I fear hell. It's not some place that's an imaginary place that somebody brought up to try to keep a bunch of people in line. Hell is a real place. And it's a place from which there is no escape. And it's a place from which there is no return. And once we get through this life, wherever we wind up, if we wind up there, yes, I fear. I fear hell. I do fear hell. I don't want to go there. I don't want to spend eternity uh, full of regrets and, and, and pain and agony and all the things that, that, I'll have to, uh, that I would have to deal with should I go there. So yes, there are some good fears out there. I fear disappointing God. Many of soldiers walked onto the battlefield knowing that he might not return. But he'll press on through the fear because there was a greater cause than his own life that was at stake. Bravery is not the absence of fear. Bravery is pushing through fear because of what's at stake. That's what real bravery is. You know, people come to God and and they they start thinking, they start being fearful sometimes of the changes that it's going to create in their life and maybe the relationships that are going to be, you know, put on edge. And uh, There's one thing that I fear greater than all of that, and that is disappointing God. And that's why the Bible uh, points us in the direction of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Because if we can get this one thing right, if we can come to the conclusion that to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, That if we're really going to have wisdom, more than just wisdom of being able to put two plus two together, more than just scientific knowledge or philosophies that the world deems that you're intelligent, but if you're going to have an intelligence and and a capability of understanding what it takes to get through this life and get to the right place in the next life and make heaven our home, then the fear or the reverence of God is a must for every last one of us to have. I must have a fear of not doing what is correct 
not doing what is right. And I'm not talking about a fear that makes me cower uh, in fear against God, but, but a reverence of God. If I see your word telling me and leading me in a direction, if I feel your presence and your spirit uh, uh, beginning to speak to me and it lines up with the word of God, because not every feeling that we have comes from God. The feelings that you have can fool you sometimes. Yes. Feelings and emotions can be all over the place. You can wake up one day feeling completely different than you woke up the next day. So I've seen people that have, that have come uh, to me or to others and say, you know what? I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. And I want to say, have you checked your feeling out with what God's word says? And if your feeling does not line up with God's word, then throw your feeling out because it's going to lead you astray. Those are the healthy fears that we need to have. I want to do the right thing. I want to follow righteousness. I want to follow his footsteps. It's only the foolish that fear nothing. We don't have to fear evil, though. We don't have to fear evil. The psalmist wrote, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Well, he answers that. What's he say? Because thou art with me. You know, when my fear of evil subsides, when I know that God is near. Yes, yes. When God is near, my fear of evil. That, this is where Paul was at when he said, hey, do with me what you will. My, my life is coming to an end. But for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What was he saying? He was saying, I don't fear evil and I don't fear death. For me to live, if I live through this, then I'm just going to keep living for Christ because he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. He's transformed me. He's changed me. But if my life does end here today, then I'm okay with that too because for me to die is gain. Why is it gain? Because I've run my race and I've finished my course and I've kept my faith. The greatest fear that you ought to have is losing your faith in God. But if you can keep your faith in God, you don't have to fear anything that this world can do to you because you do not have to fear evil as long as God is with you. The world says you don't have anything to fear and it says in saying that what they really mean is you don't have anything worth respecting. And we see it so evident today in our world. Parents aren't respected. Authority isn't respected. Life isn't respected. God sure isn't respected. But when we fear the Lord, it's not a, I'm scared of the God that I serve, but a, I respect the God that I serve so much that my greatest fear is making him sorrowful because of something that I've done or not done. To walk in his will should be our greatest desire. To follow in his footsteps, to let him lead us, 
If he hasn't proven how much that he loves us by what he did at Calvary, then I don't think he'll ever be able to convince us. But if we can just wrap our minds around a love that was so strong that he was willing to give his life while we were yet sinners. That's hard for us to understand. I might take a bullet for you folks. I might have to think twice if it was somebody that just punched me in the nose. But in essence, that's what Jesus Christ did. In actuality, that's what he did. He just died, not for the ones, not for his mother, and not for the disciples, not just for those that were there weeping his loss and his life coming to to an end, but he died for the one that pierced the the sword into, or the, the, the spear into his side. He died for the one that jammed the crown of thorns down upon his head. He died for the ones that drove the nails through his hands and his feet. He died for the ones who mercilessly, mercilessly just drop that, uh, that, that, that cross down into the ground and it tore at his flesh and created all the great pain. He died for those too. Yes. Proverbs 9 and 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 1 and 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'm not trying to be heavy today, although it may feel that way to a certain extent. But I just want us to understand how important it is for us to to reverence the the words that are written in this book. We reverence them not by just reading them. We reverence them by following them. You can read a book and never apply it. And the book is nothing more than just a knowledge of words that were written. But when you take the words of this book and you have a reverence and a respect for the author, the one who used holy men of old, to pen the words from Genesis to Revelation across 1,500 years of time. All the different writers, but one author. And it was all fitly joined together to try to help us understand that the words that are in this book are there for our, our good. They're there for our protection. They're there for our our saving so that we don't have to fear the evil. You know, my my dad told me one time we were sitting in the kitchen area and I was pretty at a a pretty rebellious stage in my life. And uh, I was pushing the limits in a lot of different places. And my dad finally got to the place where he sat down and he looked at me. He 
said, if you don't take that look off your face right now, he said, I'm going to take your head off your shoulders. My dad had never laid a hand on me besides a parental spanking that I deserved. My dad was never cruel, never mean, very mild-mannered. But on that day, I learned a new reverence for my father. On that day, I learned that fear and respect are very closely intertwined. <laughs> Something shot through me that made me snap up real quick. And I thought, he ain't kidding. I'm, I'm going to either change right here, right now, or I'm going to be flat on my back on this floor, wondering if I'm going to get back up. My dad was not a mean man. He, he never lost his temper that I can remember. But he meant business on this day. He'd had enough. We are living in the dispensation of grace, and I've rapidly come to a close today. I'm so thankful that we're living in this dispensation of grace because it's a, it's a place where God does, doesn't just cut us off, but He shows us His mercies are new every day. His grace is sufficient for us, but there's coming a time, hear me out this morning, there's coming a time when judgment will come. I want to be ready. And so therefore, as pastor, I've got to convey that to the Lord, to, to the church, that the people that God has allowed me to try and lead to the best of my ability. You need to be ready. Yes. Reverence Him, reverence His Spirit, reverence His, his church, reverence his, his sanctuary, reverence His Word. Would you stand with me today? The beautiful thing about it is, is the more we love God, the less we have to fear in this world. His word says that perfect love casteth out all fear. Perfect reverence to Him perfect respect when you find yourself in that place where you love God more than anything else in this world and you trust him with all your heart all your mind all your soul all your strength you'll find that other things that you feared will simply begin to wash away in the beauty of the relationship you have with him Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.